Today we continue our study about the story of Abraham and Sarah. And I must tell you that today the story is very interesting because if God did not avert what was about to happen in this passage, the promise of Isaac will have been aborted. The great promise that Abraham and Sarah waited for for about 25 years will have been aborted. The theme we are going to examine today says Abraham's treasury and the king's faith. Here we see betrayal of trust. Here we see deception from the part of Abraham. And here we see also King Abimelech who displayed a great innocence. He was completely innocent and yet God warned him and he yielded completely to the warning of God. Once again, Abraham's faith failed. And this was very serious, as the promise he had waited for was about to manifest. He practically jeopardized the old promise, if not for the mercy of God that saved and remedied the situation. And then, let's go into the reading for today. That is Genesis chapter 20. Genesis chapter 20. When you look at the first two verses, from there Abraham journeyed towards the territory of Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur, and he sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said, of Sarah his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech king of Gerar sent and took Sarah. When Abimelech took Sarah into his harem, because of Abraham's deception, God intervened to preserve Sarah's purity, warning Abimelech to restore the woman to her husband make restitution for the offense and ask for intercession from Abraham the prophet. In this chapter, Abraham did not display, did not show the conjugal love that he ought to show to his wife. And then he was not also truthful and sincere to the king. When you look at the entire passage of Genesis chapter 20, it can be divided into six parts. The first part I name coward and deceiver, and that is verses 1 and 2. The second part is divine intervention, deception discovered, verses 3 to 8. The third part Abraham on trial, verses 9 and 10. The fourth part, Abraham's defense, 
verses 11 to 13. The fifth part, restitution, verses 14 to 16. And the sixth part, the first miracle of bodily healing. And that we see in verses 17 and 18. Let's look at the points one after the other. Now we look at the first part. Coward and deception or deceiver rather. This is the second time Abraham lied in Genesis. Remember that in Genesis chapter 12 on his way to on his way to Egypt he did say in that place that my wife when you get to Egypt because you are very beautiful they may look at you and say who is your husband if you say I'm your husband they will kill me and because of that please when you are asked tell them you are my sister well I'm still going to explain one or two things to you about that even though Abraham was not completely telling lies in that area because they were related. But then in this context, was not just ordinary sister, but his wife. Kidner observes that, and I quote now, on the brink of Isaac's bad story, here is the very promise put to jeopardy, traded away for personal safety. Abraham traded away that great promise that he waited for for about 25 years for his personal safety. What lessons can we learn here? The foolish acts of God's people may jeopardize God's program. When you act as a child of God foolishly, you can truncate the plan of God for your life. This is not the devil. It is you that you are involved. It was not the devil pushing Abraham to tell lies in Genesis chapter 12 and now in Genesis chapter 20. As Christians, we must remember that God has not given us the spirit of timidity but of sound mind. We must therefore live our lives in absolute transparency as children of light. Children of light. You know, if light shines in darkness, darkness vanishes. And so as children of light, anywhere we are, we must also live in absolute transparency. We must remember that When we commit ourselves to God and declare the truth of, God, of God's word, it stands by us to protect and to defend us. Abraham failed to realize this and he wanted to negate the promise of 25 years. Even in the face of death, we must be truthful. He did not want to die and that was why he said that. In the face of death, as Christians, we must be truthful. And that is why in Numbers chapter 23 and verse 10, I so much love that verse and that passage. Numbers 
chapter 23 and verse 10. It says, let me die the death of the righteous, and may my final end be like theirs. He was afraid of death. He should have called upon the name of the Lord. In the appointed psalm for today, Psalm 50 and verse 15, even when we are in a very terrible situation and we are afraid, the Bible says, Call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honor me. Then I move to point two, divine intervention, deception discovered. Divine intervention, deception discovered. King Abimelech took Sarah and was said to possibly make her a wife or sleep with her that night. I'm sure that Abraham did not consider the danger involved. Now the king took over his wife. And possibly, who knows, whether the king would have slept with his wife that night. Then what would have happened? Would Isaac have come through another man? Then it means that the old promise of God, go out of your father's house, I will make you a great nation, you shall be great, everything would have just ended that way. Which means that adultery was inevitable here. Though the king was innocent, and I continue to emphasize that, the bed was about to be defied. And I'm sure Abraham did not think about all this before he lied that Sarah was his sister. God needed to intervene. God needed to speak to King Abimelech. God needed to preserve that great promise that he made with Abraham and his wife. Remember that in Genesis chapter 12, as I told you, God delivered Abraham from the people of Egypt with great plague, plagues. God spoke to Abimelech and warned him in a dream. In verse 3 of that Genesis chapter 20, God said to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, thou but a dead man, for the woman which thou hast taken, for she is a man's wife. Look at the way God approached Abimelech. God said, you are already a dead man. Because the woman that is with you is another man's wife. I love the response of Abimelech. Abimelech said, are you also going to kill an innocent man? This man did not tell me that... Sarah was his wife. The deception of Abraham was uncovered. The same way deception of Ananias and Sapphira was discovered in Acts of the Apostles, chapter 5, verses 1, and verses 1 to 11. God prevented him from committing adultery, not to defy another man's wife. You remember that in the law of God, in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 14, the Lord says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. Adultery is a very terrible sin against God and humanity. 
As Christians, we must continue to learn from the ugly experience of Sarah and Abraham here as they almost truncated the wonderful promise of God for their lives. Elimelech's display is sincere innocence. He was truly innocent. He did not know it was another man's wife. But then the question is, must he grab anything that he sees on a lighter mood? Why did he have to take over Sarah? And that shows also that there are so many people in our own days that they always want to grab whatever they see, whether it belongs to them or not. So I will wonder why King Abimelech wanted to take over Sarah in this place. God told him to restitute and return whatever he has taken from Abraham. This shows that repentance is not only limited to your confession. Not every repentance is just say, Father, forgive me, and it hangs there. No. In some cases, you have to return what you have taken. In some cases, you have to restitute. And that is exactly what happened here. It was not enough for the king to say to Abraham, I'm so sorry for what I've done. But then he needed to also make restitution. What are the lessons we also learn from here? God must intervene to preserve his program when his people jeopardize it with foolish deception. When God has given a promise to you as a child of God, and then out of ignorance, you wanted to rubbish or to truncate that promise, God will always find a way to intervene. And that is exactly what God did in this chapter. Those who are innocent may protest their integrity. When you are innocent, just as you know, this king did in this place, he protested his integrity and he said to God, will you also destroy an innocent man? I was never told. That is part of the lessons that we also need to learn from here. God instructs people how to preserve their integrity. That's another lesson. God instructed the king and said, return whatever you have taken. And that is how you can protect your integrity. If truly you are innocent and you want to show that you are innocent, return what you have taken wrongly. And thank God that this king did that. Number three, Abraham's on trial. And that we see in verses 9 and 10 of that Genesis chapter 20. Abimelech summoned Abraham and demanded explanation about what he did. I guess Abraham would have wondered what Abimelech wanted to ask from him. Likewise, we must remember that we are accountable to God as Christians. We shall give account of everything we do in the body. And that we read about in Romans chapter 14 and verse 10, which is one of our scriptures readings today. 
in Romans chapter 14 and verse 10. And also in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due for us. What we have done while in the body, whether good or bad. According to Alan P. Ross, in his book, Creation and Blessing, he says, the violation was Abraham's, but the violation put Abimelech and his people into the place of guilt as well. This violation was caused by Abraham, but this violation put Abimelech and his own entire household into a position of guilt, whereby he felt sorry for what he did. Abimelech sensed the danger he was in, even though it was not brought by his own intentional sin. There are times you don't intend to do it. You, don't, you are not the, initial, uh, the person who initiated it. But then God can hold you responsible. The teaching on the sin offering in Leviticus shows that even sins of ignorance required clearance and reparation before God was satisfied. You know that in Leviticus, even if you, are, you claim to be ignorant, then you still have to make atonement and sacrifice for such sins. And that is exactly what Abimelech did in this place. And that's why we say, even in the law court, that ignorance is not an excuse before the law. I wasn't aware that is not enough excuse. Number four, Abraham, Abraham's defense, verses 11 to 13. Abraham's defense. Abraham made a good defense of his action. He thought the fear of God was not in the land. He thought they would kill him. Truly, as I said to you before, Sarah was his sister. And according to him here, he said, though Sarah was my sister, the daughter of my father, but not that of my mother, was that sufficient? And I ask you, could that be a pardonable excuse? Could that be situational lies? We are not here to judge Abraham. Just as part of our readings today, in Romans chapter 14, verses 4 and verse 10, shows that we must not judge anybody. We are not here to judge Abraham. But then I want to say that the Adamic nature in the life of Abraham continue to witness geometric progression. He told line in chapter 12. He repeated it again in chapter 20. And I'm sure that if he didn't die, when he died, possibly maybe he would have still told some other lies. What then are we to note here? We want to be aware of the mistake Abraham made in this place and also Sarah because I would have expected that when Abraham said to his wife, 
say that you are my sister. The wife did not say anything. The wife would have said, is it really true? Yeah, even though I'm your sister, but in this context, I'm your wife. So she accepted. So both of them also cannot be exonerated from jointly taking that decision that would have negated the promise of God for their lives. Some acclaimed Christians today can be described as pathological liars. So we must learn and cultivate the habit of being truthful in all our undertakings. Whatever we do, we must be honest and show honesty. Number five, restitution. And that we find in Genesis chapter 14, sorry, chapter 20, verses 14 to 16. Restitution. Abimelech here obeyed the instruction of God. He restored Sarah back to Abraham. He did not negotiate the obedience of God. He didn't say like uh, Saul. Why did you have to keep all these fat rams? But I asked you to destroy everything utterly. So why do you have to preserve this? Is that where to make sacrifice? And you remember what Samuel told him? Obedience is better than sacrifice. So here, Abimelech did not negotiate his obedience. The obedience to God was total. Most oftentimes as Christians, negotiate our obedience. And I say to you that partial obedience is disobedience. He obeyed all that God told him. Let's look at what God told you know, what he did actually in verses 14 and verses 14 to 16. Then Abimelech took sheep and oxen and made servants and female servants and gave them to Abraham and returned Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases you. To Sarah he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. It is a sign of your innocence in the eyes of all who are with you. And before everyone, you are vindicated. So Abraham, sorry, Elimelech, Abimelech rather, I'm sorry, Abimelech, made restitution. This demonstrates compliance with God's word. It is not enough to pray prayer of confession alone, but restitution of whatever we have wrongly taken must be done. And I repeat again, partial obedience is disobedience. Christians in this 21st century must stop negotiating obedience to God and his words. We want to obey God where it suits us. And we want to disobey God where it does not suit us. Abimelech was a good example of someone that loved God. In John chapter 14 and verse 15, the Bible says, If you love me, you will obey my commandments. So this king demonstrated that he truly loved God. And that was why he obeyed all that God said to him. 
Number six, first miracle of bodily healing. Proud this time in the Bible from Genesis chapter 1 to this Genesis chapter 20, we have not heard about anyone who prayed for someone and the person was healed. We have not heard about any bodily healing from Genesis chapter 1 to this point. Abraham was the first prophet. According to how God described him, he said, Abraham, the prophet, we pray for you. You will be healed. And then all the female that the womb had been closed will also be opened. So Abraham prayed for Abimelech. He and his household were healed and the womb of all the female were opened. Miracle happened. Yielding to God's word brings great miracles. When you yield to God's word, miracle starts already in your life. But when you live at variance with the word of God in disobedience, no miracle. Let me tell you one of the reasons why it appears that God is not performing miracles today all over the world is because of partial obedience. When there is total obedience to the word of God, miracle happens. And in this passage we can see that the miracle happened. Bodily healing open of the closed womb, among others, can still happen. How many people, and I want to ask you today, how many people still believe that miracles happen in our generation, or miracles can happen in our generation? How many people still believe? You believe? Aha. I believe. I have witnessed it. And I can share one or two with you before I Round of this summer. I was in a clinic in the year 2019, Cleveland Clinic. And I was moving from one room to another as someone who's a chaplain. And I got to a room and I met a patient. And the patient said, I have not slept for the past two weeks. I said, Wow. Did you tell your doctor? Say yes, I told my doctor. Did they give you any medication? Say yes, they gave me medication. Oh, are you using the medication? Yes. So okay, that's fine. What do you want me to do? Oh, he said, pray for me. Oh, that's fine. You know, America is not like Africa. One of the things that I have learned here is that you must be able to before you pray for anybody here, you need to ask, can I pray for you? Can I pray with you? But in Africa, you don't say, let us pray. When you say, let us pray, everybody takes position. So when she said, please pray for me, oh, I said, that's awesome. And I began to pray. As I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, this woman fell asleep. She was snoring. I had to run out immediately because <laughs> that was a miracle. Somebody who had not slept for two weeks, she had taken medication, she had taken everything, but nothing happened. So why am I emphasizing this? Is the fact that when this king, Abimelech, yielded and obeyed God, and then Abraham 
prayed for him, miracle happened. Because at that point, God had closed the womb of everyone, all the female in that family. Which means that forever, possibly, they will not conceive. But after that prayer, something happened. And I also want to assure you today that because you are in this service and you are listening to the word of God and you are willing to obey the word of God, miracle is going to happen in your life. I don't know what you want the Lord to do, but most often times, we only want to get from God, but we don't want to do our own part. The truth of the matter is that in your Christian journey, the moment you do your part, God will do his own part. And God will not forsake you. And I do not know as many people who are here today and you are going through one situation or another, I can again encourage you that God is with you as long as you continue to obey his word. Why don't we bow our heads and pray together? I'd like you to just talk to God and ask him to give you the grace to completely obey his instruction. Tell him, help me, O Lord, to obey your word. Help me to be truthful. Father, we thank you for your word that you have spoken to us again, showing how you intervene in the situation that will have rubbished the great promise that you made to Abraham and his wife. Lord, we want to thank you for the lessons you have enabled us to learn so that we also will not fall into this same error and into this same mistake. We pray you, O Lord, that in our Christian journey, it will please you to guide us and to nurture us with your grace so that we shall not stumble, but then we shall run with perseverance even to the end. All this and many others we ask through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.